Now, before the party begins, let's go over the details. The caretakers will leave at midnight, locking us in here until they come back in the morning. Once the door is locked, there's no way out. The windows have bars that a jail would be proud of, and the only door to the outside locks like a vault. There's no electricity, no phone, no one within miles, so no way to call for help. Like a coffin. to another episode of Ticklish Business, the podcast devoted to honoring and deconstructing classic cinema. I'm Chris and joined once again by the fabulous Samantha. Samantha, it's October. We're a week into October already. Jack Skeleton threw up in my house. We go all out for Halloween. What about you? I finally just did my decorations this last week and I had more than I thought I did, which I was really happy about. And I know that pink Halloween is a thing now, which I'm so over the moon about. So I bought up all the pink pumpkins and pink ghost things. So now I've got like a pink art deco ghost house, which I'm ecstatic about. Pink Halloween and Samantha Ellis feel like a match Post- made in heaven to me. Post- really? Exactly. I want to see this post it. <laughs> And our special guest today is a woman that needs no introduction. She is, as far as I'm concerned, the queen of Halloween, Ms. Carrie Bible. Carrie, your birthday is Halloween. So you are officially the coolest, most Halloweeniest person I know. I would definitely agree. It's the spooky, it's the horror, it's the cooking, the whole Halloween (laughs) package. Carrie, I know you did our episode way back when talking about Hollywood Forever, but I want to talk really briefly for people that have not listened to that episode. Go back and listen to it. I know it's in our early days, but it's awesome. You also do your fantastic cooking series that's classic film related. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Samantha and I are going to be doing one together this coming weekend, so I'm very psyched about this. I collected celebrity recipes for quite some time, which was funny because I really didn't cook. I just collected them. And then I thought for a while, I wanted to do a little YouTube show or something. I had all these ideas. And then the pandemic happened. And once I realized it wasn't going to be a week or something, I thought I have a choice. I could either scrap this whole project I'd been thinking about, or I could do it over Zoom. And so I chose to do it over Zoom. And basically what I do is I cook a recipe attributed to a classic Hollywood star. I try to get a special guest either an author, a historian, a friend, a fan, a collector. It can be anybody. Very lucky to know some pretty amazing people. We make the food, and even if they didn't technically cook, which I get asked that a lot, but I figure it's a jumping off point to talk about their life, their career, who they were, how they lived, how they cooked, and their films. So I've been doing that, and what started out as a little pandemic project is still trucking along. This coming weekend, Samantha, this was her idea, by the way, to do a Women of Horror event. 
So we're going to join forces with Jenny Hammerton of Silver Screen Suppers and my friend Angie Schneider of Tencel and Stars. And we're each going to make a recipe attributed to a classic Hollywood horror star. So Samantha's going to cook Ilsa Lanchester's date tort. I'm so excited. I'm a little nervous because I can't get those good California dates out here in Pennsylvania. I've been telling everyone I know I sound like such a snob, but it's really not the same thing. <laughs> but we'll see how it goes. I mean, I know Elsa didn't get California dates either where she was in the UK. It's really great that you even bring up Hollywood Kitchen and cooking related to classic film stars because Vincent Price was one of the biggest classic film chefs. He had multiple cookbooks. He had his own cooking show, Cooking Price Wise. So I have just as much admiration for him as a chef as I do as an actor, really. Some of his recipes are amazing. He was the real deal. In fact, at one point during lockdown, his daughter Victoria Price was doing these webinars and I went to some of the webinars and she was talking about her dad making creme brulee like 10 times in one week and he kept making her eat it and test it. She was so sick of creme brulee at the end of that week. But I love hearing her talk firsthand about what a dedicated cook he was. So he was the real deal. Joan Crawford was. There's a handful of them, at least, that I know for sure were the real deal in terms of their cooking. But it's a fun way to look at them either way. This is why Samantha earns the big fictional ticklish biz dollars, because she came up with this episode of the podcast when we were trying to figure out what we were going to do for Halloween. Samantha said Vincent Price. I actually felt very stupid that I had not thought of Vincent Price or really any of the horror actors that we know and love doing a tribute episode. So this is all Samantha's doing. We should all be thanking her for coming up with genius idea. ideas. Yeah, thank you, guys. <laughs> what brought this out for me is I had a conversation earlier this year, back in July. My boyfriend and I went on a trip to St. Louis, which is Vincent Price's birthplace. If I had had another day there, I would have spent some time going to his birth home. But I did get to see his star on the St. Louis Walk of Fame, which was really cool. But when I brought up, oh, yeah, and Vincent Price is from St. Louis to my boyfriend, he had never even heard of Vincent Price. And this upset me a great deal. And As Samantha well, is now what? single. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but I showed him House on Haunted Hill. So I got to rewatch that this year. Oh, and then. I've just been breezing through them. I did not realize that there were so many Vincent Price horror films that I had not seen. A lot of the films that I had already seen, I had seen 20 before this, but most of them were Song of Bernadette or Brigham Young or Laura, and they're not quite horror. I'm really catching up on the horror. I watched eight new to me films this weekend, which is been a long time since I've watched that many back-to-back -back of one actor, but I'm in Vincent Price heaven right now. It's interesting you bring that up because I know that my first introduction to Vincent Price, I always assumed he was a horror actor. I saw Edward Scissorhands at a very formative age, which was one of his last films. That movie terrified me. I did not get the message of that being a positive film until I was actually a teenager. I loved his voice work in The Great Mouse Detective. So I always knew him as a villain. I started writing some stuff, watching House of Wax and House on Haunted Hill and talking about, oh, him as this horror actor. And people were really quick to correct me and say, no, he has this entire body of work that supersedes his, his horror accolades. 
it was great to go back and really watch him as an actor in romances and dramas and comedies, horror comedies. The man was really a jack of all trades. I'm really fascinated to see how we all talk about our top threes, because this is the question that I asked before we recorded. Did everybody tend to go with horror? I know that we're doing a Vincent Price top three. It's in October. The tendency is to go for the horror films. But I know that, Samantha, you tended to not go that route right away. That's the thing. I'm really thinking to myself, I tried to confine it to horror because I thought that's what we were going for. But it really is hard to confine because when you think of a lot of his earlier roles, especially through the 40s, a lot of his roles are really the gray area. One of the movies that I just got to see, which could have made my top three, called The House of the Seven Gables. And he plays a good guy and bad things happen to him to make him evil or seek revenge. And I feel like that's a trend that happens in a lot of his movies. The Abominable Dr. Fives. You've got so many literally happens over and over in his movies. So I'm like, is it a horror movie or is he just a complex guy in a different genre of movie who does bad things? Carrie, what about you? Without telling us, what did you uses your criteria for this three. Well, I did horror because it's October and I'm eating, drinking, sleeping and horror these days. And also I'm a little bit older than you guys. And my introduction to Vincent Price was Thriller by Michael Jackson because I was little when that came out. And I remember hearing that voice and being like, who is that man? And I'd even listen to the song just to listen repeatedly to Vincent Price's rap at the end of the song. And then when he has that wicked laugh, it was just like, this is just fascinating. So that was my gateway drug into the world of Vincent Price. We talk about him as a horror guy on Hollywood Kitchen, much like Samantha does. Sometimes I zig when the rest of the world zags. And Valentine's is really not my holiday. So a year or two ago, I decided to do a Vincent Price Valentine's Hollywood Kitchen. And I thought, I'm just going to go in a different direction. And I got David J. Skull to talk with me. And I posited that, okay, I'm going to treat the abominable Dr. Fives like a love story because it kind of is. I mean, he murders like 10 people because he thinks they murdered his wife. So I decided to go down that road for a Valentine's episode. I feel like we all have one of those weird horror people that we actually sort of have a crush on. And for me, mine is Boris Karloff. I feel like a Boris Karloff Valentine's Day is in my future. I talked to his daughter. I went to a Midsummer Scream in July, which is the biggest horror convention in the world. It was a mob scene, but miraculously, I got two or three minutes to talk to his daughter, Sarah Karloff. He did use sherry and guacamole. This has been confirmed out of the mouth of yes. Sarah Karloff. So, I'm so yes, happy to hear that. That's a real thing. So yay. <laughs> I don't know how we can transition from sherry and guacamole, but we're going to do it. So our top three Vincent Price performances that maybe are horror but might not be it's a very amorphous top three this month i want to start with mine i tend to go first i want to start with my number three because it sets the tone for what samantha was saying about him playing certain characters that maybe aren't in horror films but they are in horror films so my number three is 1943's the song of bernadette the song of bernadette is not a quote-unquote horror film. 
this is one of numerous films that the studios made in the 1940s that were aimed at telling religious stories, which I find religious films in the old Hollywood era to be a really fascinating subset. I'm talking about your King of Kings or the big biblical ones, just ones that are about faith and about religion. I remember talking to Sister Rose Picotti when she was a guest at one of the TCM Film Festivals one year about how she saw the distinction of religious films in the 1940s compared to how we talk and look at religious films nowadays. And her whole thing was about how they tried very hard to not be about one quote unquote denomination. Of course, it's certainly maybe associated, especially in Song of Bernadette with Christianity, but it was a film that you could still enjoy even if you did not adhere to those religious tenets. Long story short, Jennifer Jones plays Bernadette Subaru, who is a young French woman, but she sounds like Jennifer Jones, who witnesses the Virgin Mary. And she tells everybody that she's seen the Virgin Mary and people think she's insane. Vincent Price is the character that comes to the town to essentially prove that she's lying and she's a blasphemer. If we're talking about horror films and Vincent Price, him as the prosecutor, Vital Dutour, he's a kind of horrible character. His whole role in this movie is to say that she has not witnessed a miracle. Miracles don't exist. And by extension, without even really saying it, his character almost is saying God doesn't exist. It's a really villainous type of character. This is really early in Vincent Price's career. He did a lot of shady characters, or at least was in a lot of romantic, swoony dramas. Song of Bernadette is a very romanticized, even though it's not a romantic film. But he's playing just an outright dude where he's challenging everything about this woman's worldview and saying it is completely untrue. The fact that she's saying it makes her the devil herself, which is ironic because Vincent Price did play the devil in the story of mankind about a decade or so after this. It's not a horror film, but to watch him interrogate Jennifer Jones, who I think is playing a 14-year-old girl. She was not 14 at the time, clearly. To interrogate her and to try to shake her faith, that makes him a horrendously frightening character, even though he looks like Vincent Price in the 40s. You don't want to fall in love with him because he's horrific, but if we're talking about putting him in horror context, even though the film is not a horror film. Song of Bernadette is a perfect example. I have studied this film quite a bit because I got to discuss it in an episode of In the Runner Up Is podcast, the very first one that I appeared on. One of the things that I really struck me about his performance is it's such a good foil to everything else that's going on. You really didn't see atheism in the 40s. That alone was a horrific thing. The fact that he's an atheist in the movie is what's supposed to make him a villain. Right. But it's just fascinating to see, especially when you consider a lot of people today don't have those kinds of really hardcore beliefs. It definitely is a standout performance among his work in the 40s that I don't think gets recognized enough. Harriet, have you seen The Song of Bernadette? What do you think of it? such a long time. That's one of those that I would have to really revisit that one. It's worth it. My mom does not care for it, but I think it's still life. Either on the whole, I think it really drags, but you could not have asked for a better Jennifer Jones debut. Ooh, that's because you're a categorically Jennifer Jones dislikers. I really like her as an actress. Do I believe that she was an opportunist is... 
anyway. Different well, that, episode topic. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, let's tell you, what's your number three? I'm not good at ranking stuff, to be honest, but I guess if I had to rank the three I picked, the third one I would say is The House of Wax. Um, this almost made my list, but I did not include it, so I'm glad you did. I was really lucky back in 2000 and I think it was 2004, they had a gigantic 3D festival at the Egyptian theater, which went on for a month. It was so amazing. And I got to see House of Wax on actual film in actual 3D in the Egyptian. So you cannot imagine how freaking cool that was because that was like how they saw it in the 1950s. There was so much fun. A while back, several years ago, I showed a friend the Lionel Atwell, Faye Ray version from the early 30s, which I do love. And then I showed him the Vincent Price House of Wax. And my friend said, I got to say, the Vincent Price version is so much better. And I said, well, I love them both. And he said, yeah, but Vincent Price is so charming. And that's something Lionel Atwell is not. So Vincent, even in the creepiest roles, you still really like him. To what Samantha was saying, he starts out as a good guy in House of Wax. He's an artist. He's a sculptor, a craftsman. He just wants to display his beautiful art. And then when this unscrupulous business partner comes along and screws him over and basically burns his entire archive of creations down to the ground, that's the turning point. And when he just flips and becomes completely evil. And she's right. That's a pattern you see a lot. You see it in Dr. Fibes, you see it in Theater Blood. There's a lot of times where that's the big plot. But it's such a fun performance. It's such a fun film. I just feel so eternally grateful I got to see it in the way that I did. That's yeah, House- on my bucket list. That sounds so amazing. Yeah, House of Wax almost made my three. I knew you were going to include it, Carrie, so I felt okay cutting it. But I would definitely agree with you. That's the one where I was told by people that he was not a horror actor. I just assumed like, oh, he made all of his films that were similar to this. But I think what you point out, too, is just the amount of, dare I say, gravitas he brings to the horror genre. Horror films, especially classic film ones, they get a bum rap as being cheap. You didn't necessarily need to have big stars. But even in something like a Roger Corman film, Vincent Price was able to always give an A performance. He lent an air of Shakespeareanism and quality and prestige to a whole genre that is commonly considered lowbrow, maybe not as much as it now as it was then. But I definitely love his performance in this because even when he turns evil and he's trying to encase a woman in wax, you're like, yeah, but he had to remake all those things again. Like, I'm feeling for him. How else was he going to do it? He's got to take his shortcuts where he can. That's right. Also, you speak to the Shakespearean aspect, because my number two pick, if you don't mind my pulling that ahead, was Theater of Blood, because in Theater of Blood, he does Shakespeare in that movie. And every time I see it, I love that movie. You just see it and think, God, it's a shame he didn't get to do more of that because he's so good. And you see so many different sides of him in that film because he wears all these disguises and does all these things and finds all these incredibly creative ways to murder all of these theater critics. I just mourn that he did not get to do a heck of a lot of Shakespeare on film. Samantha, what's your number three? My number three, and it's one of those movies, is the genre horror? Maybe not, but his character is definitely horrific. It's The Long Night from 1947, which I don't know if you guys have seen. It's it's a little bit more obscure. I discovered it during Henry Fonda's Summer Under the Stars Day a couple of years ago. 
The main characters are Henry Fonda and Barbara Bel Geddes. Henry Fonda, at the very beginning of the film, kills Vincent Price. The whole film is him explaining how he got to the point of killing Vincent Price. And Vincent Price plays, you guys, this is all I really need to say for why this is one of my favorite Vincent Price roles. He plays a puppy magician. He plays a magician and his act, he's surrounded by puppies. The main puppy being a Pomeranian. I love Pomeranians. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to need to watch this purely for the puppy magic act. Thank you. Every time I bring up Vincent Price's filmography to my sister, we always have that moment. Do you remember when he played a puppy magician? (laughs) What's the name of that movie? I've got a right one. A Long Night. A Long Night, 1947. Mm-hmm. And it's got okay. Henry Fonda and Barbara Bel And yes, he plays a puppy magician, but his character is truly sadistic. He stalks and obsesses over Barbara Bel character, and it creates this love triangle with Henry Fonda, and it just escalates and escalates. And Vincent Price, not only is he wicked enough to stalk and obsess and manipulate this woman and his former assistant, Anne Dvorak, but he also taunts Henry Fonda and you see how things go it's just such a good movie and the fact that he even plays that kind of role is just so fascinating to me and i love early vincent price so this one really stands out for me i'm gonna watch that this asap well, i think that tcm is showing it this week i was gonna tell oh. but now i have even more reason samantha never steers me wrong as we've seen I, I'm that's all you now. need to know just seeing vincent price surrounded by puppies but somehow still being evil it's great. So what you're saying <laughs> is Vincent Price was the first puppy interview. Yes. Vincent Price, Chris Evans, the natural progression. I can see all of this. My number two is not involving puppies, unfortunately, or magic. It's a gothic romance, which the classic film world just did gothic romances better than most any other genre or time period could do that. My number two is from 1946. It is Dragonwick. Oh, we didn't create a code this time, but oh. it's also my number two. I just got to throw that what out there. What we have picked is that code. Ooh. What is Vincent Pricey that is one word? He doesn't have a Makoko, unfortunately. That's the problem. We could just say Shakespeare. Shakespeare, <laughs> yes, yes. Is it your number two or is it your number one? It is one? also my number two. Okay, so perfect timing. We'll just talk about it now. This is directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz, written by him as well, based on a novel by Anya Seton. It's in that vein of movie where you're just watching within the first 10 minutes and you're like, no, this is all shades of wrong. Jean Tierney plays a woman named Miranda. She's this simple Connecticut country girl who gets invited to stay with her distant family, the Van Ryans, played by Vincent Price, who is married to a woman who is chronically ill, and he is sick of her. When Miranda shows up, she breathes life into the house, but as things progress, you start to wonder if Vincent's character might be ready to off his wife and take Miranda as the next doomed Mrs. Van Ryan. The parallels to stuff like Rebecca... Jane Eyre are there. But what I think I appreciate about what this movie does is how it really sets up this, I call it, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf dynamic, which is Vincent's character is very floridly miserable. He's got a lot of great speeches, 
where he's both praising Miranda for being this beauty, this thing out of the past that he's so excited to spend his time with. But meanwhile, look at my wife. She sucks. She weighs in bed all day and eats chocolates and I hate her so much. But he says it in a way that's really poetic and romantic. Things start to unfold and Miranda understands why things are the way they are. This is a movie that deals with drug addiction in the 1940s, but classy drug addiction because it's Vincent Price. And Vincent Price makes a drug addict look like, what would I be willing to put up with for that? He's a character that you see the darkness, but damn, does it not look good, (laughs) which makes it even more horrible that you're considering how much you hate to love this character. Samantha, what do you think of Dragon Wing? Hi everyone, Kristen here. Like what you're hearing? Then consider supporting us via Patreon, like Ticklish Biz fans Beverly, Denisha Herrera, and Peter Blipstein. You get access to exclusive content, including two Patreon-only series, merchandise, and special gifts. You can even be a guest on a future episode. We've also revamped our tiers and are over halfway to compelling Samantha to watch either The Godfather or Little Women, as well as episodes devoted to the 1976 biopic Gable and Lombard, It's a Howler, and the 1970 Weepy Love Story. All your support goes right back into making Ticklish Business the premier podcast for classic film lovers. That's patreon.com slash ticklishbiz. Now, back to the show. You absolutely hit the nail on the head with this one because going through Vincent Price's filmography, I know he's an attractive man, but I struggled to find the roles that I could really sink my teeth into romantically from him. This one is such a great example. This is one of the ones that... Out of all of the ones that I saw this last week, stuck out to me the most. He is so poetic in it. Just like you said, he makes drug addiction look sexy. He's so problematic. Of course he is. But as I fawn over Maxim de Winter in Rebecca, I fawn over Vincent Price in this movie. It's so corny at times with the curse, but there are just so many things that work here. And I never would have thought he would have had any kind of chemistry with Gene Tierney, but I feel like he does. It's really outside of the box for him. I really love this one. It's just right in line with everything I love. He worked with Gene Tierney, as we know, oh, yeah, he was multiple in times. And Lever to Heaven, in, I think. And Laura and Lever to Heaven, exactly. What sticks out to me about their very unsung pairings in these movies is that Gene Tierney always tended to play, I don't, like the word ice queen, but she was very much this otherworldly beauty that was so beautiful that you were like, oh, how do we make this character relatable? Inscrutable. Exactly. Exactly. If you watch something like Laura, where she's this young babe in the woods and he's the cad, but he's kind of a doof at the same time, <laughs> or you watch something like Leave Her to Heaven, where she's this incredibly strong, domineering murderous woman he's just this happy he's just this normalizing force where the reason she got rid of him was because he was too deferential to her he was too much a nice guy that was just going to give her what she wants which again just makes leave her to heaven all the more complex whereas here the dynamic is one where he has all the power and she's supposed to be this young country girl They were really good foils for each other and were able to balance out each other's flaws as and limitations as performers. You bring up such a good point because I see him in Laura and I see him in Leave Her to Heaven, just as you say, and he's the one who is the normalizing figure. Whereas 
Jean Tierney plays the otherworldly, more experienced woman. In Dragonwick, it's turned on its head where Jean Tierney is this inexperienced country girl and Vincent Price is this rich man of the world. I just find that so interesting that they can play off of each other no matter what. There needs to be more kudos given to them as a screen team. Bogey and Bacall, Tierney and Price. Like, oh, that sounds like a law firm, but I dig it. Future artwork idea. We're going to make Tierney and Price shirts. (laughs) People realize how hard casting can be until you see people that are in a film and it's pretty obvious they can't stand each other or it's obvious they have zero chemistry. I mean, finding people that match each other, they give as good as they get, that come up with ways to counterbalance the good and the bad qualities and the other, that's a really hard and even delicate balance to find. Casting directors don't get nearly enough credit for putting these people together in these movies. In three very different genres in this instance, very different genres. Not only that, but it's really a testament to both of their skill sets too. Jean Tierney especially has never really been that critically acclaimed, but she would just fit into whatever role they gave her, whatever role was theirs. She and Vincent have both played all ends of the moral spectrum. Yeah, they're both very underrated as performers, for sure. Carrie, I know you already mentioned your number two, but we want to hear you talk about why you picked it. Tell us. I love Theater of Blood. In the film, Vincent plays a theatrical actor in England. That's where he shot it. All of these film critics have just trashed him, and he fakes his own death. He wears all these disguises, and he creates very unique and inventive ways to murder every single one of these theater critics. There's a Shakespeare sequence in the film. It's really bonkers and it's wild. It's witty and it's funny. I just really enjoy that movie. You know how some actors in the horror genre, they weren't happy about being stereotyped in that genre. I find it hard to watch some of the Corman films with Peter Lorre because he doesn't look good. He doesn't look healthy and he looks miserable. He looks like, I can't believe I'm having to do this. This is for rent money, I guess. But Vincent... No matter what he's doing, he just looks like he's having a blast. In Theater of Blood, I don't think he just chews the scenery. He pulls the scenery down, he puts it into a blender, and he hits the puree button. And it's perfect. It's wonderful. And oh, it's just such a delightful, bonkers movie. It's just a terrific horror film. I have been pulling out so many movies. I'm like, what can I get my hands on that has Vincent Price in it? And that was one of the movies on my list. I'm like, okay, this is on my radar now. But it wasn't one of the ones that I chose to watch this weekend. And now I'm regretting it. But now I'm definitely going to rectify it because that sounds amazing. Same. I have been recommended that several times. And I just feel horrible that I haven't actually watched it. Karen's recommendation is happening. I hadn't even heard of it until two days ago, and I thought I knew my Vincent Price. That's the thing that's so crazy to me, that's been so crazy to me this last week, is this crazy realization that me watching 20 Vincent Price movies is not enough to get a full scope of his filmography. Oh, definitely. Well, he made this one in England. It was made, I can't remember, but I think it might have been made outside the studio system in Hollywood. So it's easy to see how it could slip through the cracks a bit. I keep thinking of Bucket of Blood with Boris Karloff, though, which is one of my favorite oh, Boris yeah. Karloff movies. 
so what we're saying is next year needs to be a Boris Karloff top three. I would not argue with that. (laughs) My number one is an old standby. I'm waiting for one of you to say that it is also your number one as well. 1959's House on Haunted Hill. It's Samantha's number one. Carrie, it's not your number one, right? I would put it in the top five, but my number one is the Abominable Dr. Fives. Okay, so we're going to come back to you in a second. Samantha and I both picked House on Haunted Hill as our number one. We did a whole episode on this one. This is one of our first Halloween episodes, so you can go back and find our detailed discussion. I don't think Samantha was on that one when we did it. You can go back and at least listen to my detailed thoughts. This one is one that has been remade into a remake that I actually love just as much as I love the original. I know, it's weird. Directed by William Castle, Vincent Price plays a man named Frederick Morin, who again, hates his wife, but his wife is pretty much a terrible person just like him, played by Carol Omart. They are celebrating her birthday at the mysterious house on Haunted Hill, which is just Ennis House here in Los Angeles. They have invited a bunch of people, five strangers, to essentially spend the night in the house. The winner will get a large cash prize. Things start to go bump in the night. This is the quintessential haunted house film for me. It has just enough characterization to make you bond with the characters. But honestly, I don't really care about the good characters. I'm sorry, Richard Long, Carolyn Craig. Elisha Cook Jr., I care about him, but that's mostly because I just care about Elisha Cook Jr. I love the interaction between Vincent Price and Carol Omart. They are the murderous Liz and Dick of this movie, where they're just constantly talking about how much they want to murder each other. Vincent Price has this ability, I think we've talked about it, to just make murder seem elegant and sophisticated. There's a sequence where he's talking to Carol Omart's character in her boudoir, And he's talking about all the ways that he could murder her. It's just almost like it's 1959, so they're not going to go too far, but it's almost like foreplay for them. You can get the the sexual undercurrent that is going on as they're talking about this, which is not in the 99 version, but they are still lovably over the top. So you feel for Vincent, even when the 12-foot Home Depot skeleton comes out of a pit of acid, when stuff starts flying around. It is just a perfect old school haunted house film that I don't think has ever been topped. Somebody could say some movie from the 80s or whatnot, but I maintain House on Haunted Hill is just good, clean, haunted house horror fun. And it's because of Vincent Price just playing it straight, having a ball doing it. Samantha, what do you think? It was your number one as well. You speak to a lot of the things that I really love about this movie. Carol Omhart makes this movie. It is her films. Every time I watch it, my eyes are just glued to her. She is the so costumes that she gets to wear. I'm assuming yes. with all the castle budget. Literally, she is so beautifully dressed. She has the best lines. The fact that it was all her idea in the first place that she has that kind of brain. I'm like, okay, you have my kind of brain. <laughs> I love her. I love their relationship and their interactions. Of course, Vincent Price, this is also his film, maybe second to Carol Omhart, but just his wickedness, the mastermindery, the details in this movie, even though it's a B movie. I love the little guns in the coffins. That's so cute. There are definitely characters in this movie that you can forget about. You've got a nice assortment. It's very nicely contained. 
I don't want to get too spoilery because hopefully there are people that haven't seen this that now will want to see this. When I introduced my boyfriend to this movie this year, he had many questions that I didn't realize went unanswered about the plot. Like, are there ever really ghosts? We don't know. They never tell us. <laughs> was Alicia Cook Jr.'s character crazy this whole time or was he telling the truth? Other than the murders that happened in this house, which obviously weren't ghosts, were the ones before that ghost? We don't know. <laughs> there is a scare in this movie, and I know it comes every time I watch it. It's a scene with Carol and Craig and a little old lady. It still is a great jump scare that every horror movie has tried to top. It's often imitated, but never duplicated. Carrie, what do you think about House on Haunted Hill? Oh, gosh, I love that movie, too. I love Vincent in it. I love all of the character actors in it. Love the Ennis Brown house in Los Angeles. I've actually told my nephew that when I die, he's going to have to spend the night in a haunted house to inherit my things. So it's true. Eventually, I am going to show him that movie when he's maybe a year or two older. It's a fun one. Love that movie. Carrie, it did not make your number one. Tell us about the abominable Dr. Five. It's a hard list to do, by the way, because I love Vincent and Lord knows he made a lot of movies. Mine was the abominable Dr. Fives. It was another one that he made in England. It's very, very quirky. He plays this guy who he was married. He was completely in love with his wife. She was in a horrible car accident and she died. And then he blames the nine surgeons who worked on her for her death. He decides to go out and murder each one of the nine in spectacular fashion. He has the line in the film, nine killed them, nine shall die. It's such a quirky film. He's got this organ that seems like it's like attached to the wall. And he plays this big organ very theatrically. And his character cannot talk. So he's got this tracheotomy device in his voice. So his voice kind of sounds weird. And he's got this assistant named Vilnavia. It's just such a bizarre movie. I don't drink anymore. But if I still did, I would be recommending having a few and then watching this because it's just so strange and it's a head trip. Much like Theater of Blood, he's out for revenge. He feels as though he's been wronged and then he just tries to go out and systematically murder each one of these people. I saw this for the first time yesterday. It was definitely a trip. It has a really phenomenal cast. I mean, you've got Joseph Cotton in it. He hadn't been in anything in a while. I personally really love Terry Thomas. So seeing him in that was so cool. He definitely was not typical to horror films by any means. So seeing him in a horror film was a wild, wild scene, especially as like a very horny guy. I mean, I hate to say, but like it was weird. It ruined him for me a little bit after seeing him in adorable movies like How to Murder Your Wife and The Brothers Grimm. It was weird. It's a very strange film. I wouldn't rank it among my favorites. It's a favorite for a lot of Vincent Price fans, but I definitely admire what other people see in it and what they love about it. Like you said, the deaths are so creative. This was pre-Saw, keep in mind. People attribute all of those crazy, systematic, thought-out deaths to Saw, this was way before, and oh, it yeah. is so good. Well, the other thing, too, I was just thinking about is that Fibes and Theater of Blood are both very reflective of the world of the 1960s. 
the production design, the look, the shots outside when you see some of London and Theater of Blood, they just capture the 60s, which I think is also a fun thing that movies can offer us because shy of a time machine, we will not be able to get back and travel back in time. But those movies help us do that. And there's something very, very 60s about both of them. There really is. And I know five is early 70s, but that whole free love thing really wove into it. And I know when they were marketing the film at first, they even had a romantic comedy tagline on it, which was so crazy. And it didn't make any money until they went back and changed it back and made sure everybody knew it was a horror film. I'm so glad I got to finally cross it off. I don't know if I'd watch it again, but Theater of Blood, I know I'm going to watch again. <laughs> well, they did a sequel, Dr. Fibes Rises Again. The sequel's not that good. I was totally disappointed with the sequel. I will have to add this to my list as well. I got some Vincent Price movies to watch. Does anybody have any horror or non-horror that they would like to argue for? For me, there were clearly a lot of ones that I could have included. His performance in the 1948 Three Musketeers as Cardo Richelieu. We did a whole double features episode for that on the Patreon. I do want to throw out his performance in 1951's His Kind of Woman. Oh he's my again gosh, I was going to mag- say the same thing. He was he's, also an honorable mention for me from that film. That almost made my top three. He's playing an actor again who does not seem to know that he is in a film noir, which I think is just utterly amazing. The actor also, is so Barrymore-esque in that. So Barrymore-esque. I'd also mention uh, 1959's The Tingler. It's cheesy, but it's a lot of fun. And again, the movie that I always point to from the 80s, The Great Mouse Detective. He plays the Moriarty character as a mouse, and it's delightful and incredibly gay, but it's so much fun at the same time. Samantha, any honorable mentions for you? Ooh, this is going to be tough. I would have to say Laura, of course. It's really one that always Clearly. comes to mind. I saw one recently that I loved called Shock from 1946. He plays a psychiatrist and I really enjoyed that. All of his Poe films I've really enjoyed. I'd say of all of them so far that I've seen, I really enjoyed Tomb of Lygia. I'm a little biased because I've met Elizabeth Shepard and she was just amazing. But I love that film, too. And there are so many more that I feel like I have to discover. I just feel like it's never ending and I never want it to end. Carrie, what about you? Any other honorable mentions? You guys had me when you said his kind of woman because that performance is completely bonkers. I love him in it so much. It's a perfect role for him. It's so great. He steals that movie from everybody else because if you asked me what it was about, I'd be like, I don't know, Vincent Price. Even though there's Jane Russell and Robert Mitchum and other stars that I love, but Vincent just walks away with that movie. I remember him as a kid in reruns as Egghead on the Batman show. Love Batman. He is so good on Batman. Love it. He did so much television too. The depth and the breadth of his career is really and truly amazing. He worked in television and theater and live performance. He was a chef. He was an art collector. He did so much in the art world. By the way, during lockdown, I went to a couple of events Victoria Price, his daughter, did virtually. I hope she's still doing stuff like that virtual and in person. But if you ever get a chance to go to her events, they're so good. I just thought it would be a chat about Vincent, right? 
that Victoria is a therapist also. And she talked about what it means to leave a legacy after you die. And she talked about leaving a legacy of love. And I was sitting at my desk sobbing and I texted a friend and I was like, I didn't expect to be sobbing during a Vincent Price webinar, but I guess that's where I'm at right now. She was so eloquent and her words, I don't know, they just hit me like a ton of bricks and she was wonderful. If you ever get the opportunity to see her live or virtually, please take her up on that. The prices are bringing the feels. I love it. Not expecting to be that moved. I was, that just <laughs> kind of came from out of nowhere. Vincent Price also brings out the listener engagement because we got many responses from people telling us their favorite Vincent Price movies. Over on Twitter, Jet Rose at Jet Rose 1313 said, Dragon Wick is probably my favorite. It's so hard to choose. Over on Instagram, Christopher underscore Calix responded with Samantha and Mai's number one, House on Haunted Hill. Cooler King Hiltz said Laura and 1950s The Baron of Arizona. I did I not know even heard of that. Movie. I have not seen that one either. Wow. I got it. Amazing. Jero Meg 5076 said The Abominable Dr. Fives. Front Classics Pod said Dragon Wick. Dawman 7 said House on Haunted Hill. Make Mine Monsters said The Invisible Man Returns, which is one that I know there is a lot of love for as well. And Seabeck 157 responded also with House on Haunted Hill. And MK. A Wadi said, Laura, a lot of people love Vincent Price. I'm very glad we got to talk about some of his movies. Just a little bit. We've scratched the surface. We clearly need to do more Vincent Price episodes. Carrie, thank you so much for taking time to sit down and share your thoughts on Vincent Price. Where can fans find you online? Feel free to mention anything that they should be on the lookout for. Okay. I do my Hollywood Kitchen shows on my Facebook page, and I also post about my tour stuff there sometimes, too. It's just my name, K-A-R-I-E-B-I-B-L-E on Facebook. On Instagram, I'm Cemetery Tour Guide. That's going to close out this edition of Ticklish Business. As always, you can find us on all social media platforms, including Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter, we are at Ticklish underscore biz, but Instagram and TikTok, we are just at Ticklish Biz, and we are doing some great stuff over on Instagram and TikTok. You might have seen the video that I did about the top three old Hollywood biopics that we should do instead of another Maryland one. She apparently got a lot of traction. So I might do some more videos here and there. Samantha and I've talked about doing a lot more video content. So be sure to follow over there. We did do an episode recording on Blonde for Based on a True Podcast. That's going to be over at our Patreon patreon.com slash ticklishbiz in the coming weeks, as well as some special Halloween bonus content. Our Patreon helps keep the lights on at ticklishbiz HQ. You can find out more about how to join and get access to all sorts of free content, including DVDs, pins, merchandise. We do two whole bonus series, a lot of fun stuff going over there. So patreon.com slash ticklishbiz. We are on all podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So help us out leave a review. We've had some great ones in the last month. They do get eyeballs on our hard work. And I've mentioned this a bunch of other places, but I wrote a book for TCM. It's called, But Have You Read the Book? It will be out March 7th. Please, if you are interested, check out wherever you buy books and buy a copy. You can follow my exploits on Twitter over at journeys underscore film. I'm on Instagram at Kristen Lopez 88. Samantha, where are you on the interwebs? 
Mostly I've been on Twitter at Classic Film Geek. You can find my very old blog posts on musingsofaclassicfilmatic.com. As Carrie mentioned, I'll be on her show this week. So definitely keep an eye out for that. We'll be cooking women of horror and discussing that. So that should be really fun. We will be back in two weeks with our Halloween night episode. Till then. (laughs) 